Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. All right, week five, the will of God, that's where we are. So if you have in your, uh, you should have in your bulletin a little insert that will be what we're going over today in discipleship. As I was saying, teen camp is a, a really great time for our teenagers. They always come back refreshed and revived spiritually. And it was always a special time in my own life. It was the highlight of the year. And I can remember many times when I was, you know, as a teenager, you're extremely impressionable. And these, those, those weeks acted as pivot points in my life that brought me closer to God. And I'm so thankful for every church member. I'm so thankful for my youth pastor, for everybody who made it possible to send me to camp. And I encourage you to, to uh, be in prayer for our teenagers as we prepare for camp. That they'd be open, receptive, and ready to hear uh, God speak to them on at the, at that time. So we're beginning, or we're continuing on through discipleship. Week five is where we are. We're going to talk about tonight the will of God. A couple weeks ago, we went over the New Testament church here in the main auditorium. Pastor was out of town, and we went over what the New Testament church means and what we as followers of Jesus Christ need to know about the New Testament church and how what our role in the in the New Testament church is. Tonight we're going to be looking at the will of God. It's a very sometimes mysterious term. Oh, I just want to do God's will, whatever that is. I want, to, I want to make sure I'm in the will of God or I'm doing the will of God. A lot of different ways we as Christians have, have heard this kind of terminology. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. What does it mean to be doing the will of God? You and I as followers of Christ, as Christians, we should be very, very concerned about what is God's desire. That's the word will, his desire for my life. Am I doing that? Am I in that will for, for, uh, for me? So we'll pray and then we'll, we'll get started here in the will of God. Father, I pray that you please help me tonight as we, as I, uh, as we study this, these, this topic tonight. And we, we're going to be in your word. I pray you please help your word to speak to the people. I pray you please uh, use me. And help it to be a blessing to everyone here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The will of God. Before we jump straight into what the will of God is, there's something important that we should know. And that is why we should desire to be in the will of God. Why, why do we even want to be in the will of God? A lot of times it's, it's so much more comfortable to do the will of myself than to do the will of God. That's, that's what, that before we're saved, before we, we're, we are a new creature, before we, we, we have salvation... That's what we do. We do the will of ourselves. We live our lives to please ourselves. But as Christians, we, we, we kind of change. We are a new creature, and we seek to do the will of God. And that's something that doesn't come natural to us. It's very difficult for us to change gears like that and to go from serving ourselves, worshiping ourselves, doing what we want to do, going where we want to go, to all of a sudden doing what God wants us to do. Do, uh, being where God wants us to be, saying what God wants us to say. This goes against our nature. And, and to prefer our own will to God's will is to say, God, I don't think you want me to be happy. Or is to say, God, I don't think you know how to make me happy. That's, that's the only two alternatives. If you're not doing the will of God, it's, you believe one of those two things. You believe God doesn't know how to make you happy, or you believe God doesn't love you enough that he doesn't want you to be happy. So if you will, turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 35, the book of Psalm, in Psalm 35. We're going to read one verse here, and this is, this is kind of to kick us off, to realize, hey, it's important to do the will of God, not just because God commands us to do his will, 
but because it is good for us. God has a purpose for us, and we will be happier. We will find fulfillment. We will find peace when we do the will of God. The Bible says in Psalm 35, verse 27, look at the last part of the verse. It says, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God wants you to prosper in the Christian life. He wants you to be happy more than you want to be happy. That's something that, that's, that's difficult for us to get our heads around because most of us, we love ourselves more than anybody. And we love ourselves more than anything. And we, we, want, us, we want ourselves to be most comfortable, to be secure, to, 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 to feel respect. All these things, we are most commonly obsessed with ourselves. How we feel, our comfort, what we want to do. And it's, it's so hard for us to realize, hey, God loves me even more than I love me. And God wants what's best for me even more than I want what's best for me. And that's what the Bible verse is saying here is God loves to see his servants prosper. In the same way a parent would love to see their, their child succeed, God loves to see us excel and, and, and grow in his, in, his, uh, in his will and in his plan. Turn your Bible one more time to 1 John. 1 John, not one more time, we'll be in a little bit longer. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 is a very famous verse show you that God loves us even more than we love ourselves is that 1 John 4 and verse 19. 1 John 4 and verse 19. The Bible says, we love him because he first loved us. God loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we were un, un, unlovely. When whenever we, were, we were filthy, we were dirty, we were sinners. We had rebelled, we had rejected him. And he loved us anyway. That's, that's something to say that, you know, God loves us more than we could realize. And for that reason alone, we should seek to please him. We, he's given us salvation. He's, 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 done, he's died on the cross for us. All these things he's done for us. He loves us so much that it seems foolish for us to say, God, you don't actually want me to be happy. Or, God, you don't really know how to make me happy. I know more than you do about what makes me happy. Let me do it my own way. And that tends to be our attitude when we are out of the will of God. When we we decide we want to do what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do. And this this is what we're going to look at tonight. How we can know what the will of God is. What is God's will for you tonight? What is God's will for us as a group? What is God's will for Christians all around the world? And we know the will of God through the word of God. Last week, or two weeks ago, we went with our discipleship class across, across the way on, we looked over what the Word of God is, how we can trust it, how it was written, and who, who the author was, and all these things, and it, it, it showed us how, or that it is trustworthy, and through the Word of God, we can know the will of God. So in the next couple of minutes, I just want to go over a few, a few ways that we can know the will of God for our lives, a few things that the Bible says, this is the will of God. And I want us to go through it, and in your own mind, in your own seat, I want you to check, check off that list. Am I doing the will of God in this area? Am I doing the will of God in this area? And let the Holy Spirit speak to you in that way. So what is the will of God? First of all, we have the revealed will of God. This is what God has told you is his will for you. And that's, that's what we're going to look at first. If you have your outline, go ahead and fill it out. God's will is for us to be saved and soul conscious. God's will is for us to be saved number one, and to be soul conscious. Turn your Bible to the book of 2 Peter. It's toward the end of your Bible. 2 Peter in chapter 3. 
And we're going to read verse 9 all together. If you don't have your Bible, I'll put the slide up in just a moment. But 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read verse number 9. God's will is for us to be saved and soul conscious. You're there, say amen. All right, got several of you, very good. If you're not there, we'll have the words on the screen you can follow along. Let's all read together 2 Peter 3 verse 9. Ready? Begin. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is very clear, black and white. What is God's will? His will is that no one would die and go to hell. That's his will. He is not willing that any should perish. It is God's will for every single, per- every single person to turn from their sin and turn to him. That is the first thing, that, this is the first thing we're going to look at. The Bible is clear. This is his will. And many of these verses that we'll look at use that specific wording. He's willing, or this is the will of God. That's what we're going to look at, how God is not willing that any should perish. His desire is for us to repent, to turn from our sins and to turn to him, to reject our sins and turn from the way we're living and accept his son and his finished work on the cross. This verse is very clear that nobody will spend an eternity in hell because God wanted them to. God doesn't send and predestine and say, you go to hell because I don't like you, and I don't like you, but I like you, and I don't like you. God's, his, his gift of his son is open to everybody. He is not willing that any should perish. It is God's will that us as people, us as not only just Christians, but we should be saved. That's, that's his will for everybody. And if you've done this, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, congratulations. So far you're doing, so, you're doing well. You're, you've taken that first step in the will of God. And you've accepted his son. And if you haven't, if you, if you say, hey, I haven't had a point in my life that I've accepted God, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. That I've turned from my sin and, and taken his son. Then that should be something you get settled tonight. And I would love to, to talk to you about that after service. If you have any questions about that, that's that's. That's the first stop. That's the first thing you want to do. If you want to be in the will of God, the Bible says be saved. Be saved and also to be soul conscious. You know, a lot of Christians, they stop at this step. They say, you know what, I do. I trust Jesus. I trust, I trust God loves me. I trust he loves me enough to die for me. And he loves me enough to take on my sin. But, but that's it. I, I, think, I, think that, I think that'll be as useful as he is to me. I'll, I'll trust him for my salvation but I'm not going to trust him for my happiness. I'll trust him for my salvation, but I'm not going to trust him with my family or with my finances or my, my talents. I, you know, I, he, he's just good for my salvation. That's where a lot of Christians will stop. That's, that's the extent to which they'll trust Jesus. But the Bible says that when we're saved, there's a second thing we should be, and that is soul conscious. We should be constantly desiring to see other people come to Christ as well. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting sometimes I, I have to sit and realize you know, God loves my neighbor just as much as he loves me. God wants to see that stranger that walked by you on the street know him just as much as he wanted you to know him. And it, we have to realize that. We have to understand our role in preaching the gospel to everybody. Preaching the gospel. And if we, if we say, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that God, God saved me, but that's where it's going to stop. I'm going to let the, the gospel go from the lips of the disciples thousands of years ago, and it's going to stop with me then we're refusing to do the will of God. We're refusing to do with a, with a great commission in Matthew chapter 28 where he says, go and preach the gospel into the entire world. 
This is the first thing we're going to do if we're going to be in the will of God. You cannot be in the will of God and not be saved. And you cannot be in the will of God and not be concerned with someone else's salvation. Not be concerned with getting the gospel to, to the world, to others. And this is, this, is, this is the first thing we have to realize. If we are going to be in God's will, we have to be saved and we have to be soul conscious. And the thing is, this will of God that we're going to talk about, this applies to every Christian. This applies to all of us in this room. This applies to you today. This applies to the disciples and the apostles in the first century church. And this applies to the underground Chinese church uh, halfway across the world. Every Christian, it's the same will of God for all of us, that we be saved and that we be soul conscious. Let's keep moving on. Next, second thing that we know is the will of God for us is that it's God's will for us to be sanctified and set apart for service. To be sanctified and set apart for service. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, and we'll be in chapter 4. First Thessalonians, it's also toward the end of your Bible, in chapter 4. We're going to read verse 3 together, so we're going to read First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. And it starts off with, this is the will of God. I have it on the screen behind me for those of you who are still turning. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. He said that, that this is what every Christian should do. This is what every Christian should be, and it's sanctified. You may say, what is sanctified? What does it mean to be, to be sanctified? It means to be clean and ready for use. It means to be ready to be used by the master. Turn your Bibles one more time to the book of Romans. Romans in chapter 12. Romans in chapter 12. There's a very popular verse, very famous verse. We'll read that together as well. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Say amen if you're there. All right, couple of you there yet. All right, let's get started. We're going to read this, this verse 1 and 2 together. Ready? Begin. Romans chapter 12, sorry. Ready? Begin. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's right. This is, this is God's will for us, to not just be saved, but to be clean and ready for use. Not just to be saved and remain a spiritual baby, but to continue to mature spiritually, continue to grow to be more like our Savior. You know, Paul, Paul encountered this kind of mentality of, hey, I'm saved, now I can do whatever I want in Romans 6. And he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. It's not, it's not a, a free ticket to heaven that we get to continue living our lives the way we lived them before. We are to grow and to change from the inside out, to be more like our Savior. That word sanctified, let's turn your Bibles one more time to 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy. Like I said, it means clean or set apart for use. The book of 2 Timothy is going to be toward the end of your Bible as well. And we're going to read verse 2, sorry, chapter 2 and verse 21 of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 21. Let's read it together. Ready? Begin. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. 
It should be our desire, as Timothy writes here, he, writes a, he, he paints it in an, an analogy about a vessel or something that you would use to hold a fluid or a meal, say, let's say a cup. He says, you want to be a vessel ready to be used, sanctified, clean, set apart, so that God can use you the way he desires to use you. And, and many, of, many times, if I, if I reach for a cup, the thing I'm most concerned with is not what it's made of, is its cleanliness. I, don't, I, would, rather, I would rather drink out of a, a clean styrofoam cup than a dirty golden one, and most of us are that way. And that's the same way with God. He, he has a plan for your life, and he sanctified you, and he wants you to be clean and ready to be used. And that should be our goal. Our goal is, should, should be to accomplish the will of God. And the will of God for you and I is to be clean and ready to be used, ready to be to used in his will. And the Bible says in Romans 12, he says that we are a living sacrifice. God doesn't demand that we, we put our lives on the line the minute we're saved and die for him. He says, no, I want you to live for me. I want you to continue to grow. I want you to use your life for me. This is, their, this is what's acceptable. This is what's your reasonable service. And that is our, that's the will of God for your life and my life. It's not only to be saved, but it's continued to grow in spiritually. It's continued to, be, to become clean, to be ready for the master's use. Let's continue to turn. Let's turn to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, and we'll read verse 16. 1 Peter 1 and verse 16. I'll read it. It says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. This is what we should be. We should desire to be holy, not because we are holy automatically, but because God is holy, because he's the one that saved us, and it's, 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 it's our desire. It should be your desire as a Christian to do the will of God, and that will of God is for you to be clean and to be holy. You know, it's, it's easy to continue doing what you always did. It's what the world does. They're, they continue doing, they worship themselves, they worship their feelings, they just go with the flow. It's, it's more difficult to decide, hey, I want to do, I want to go against my sin nature. Even though I'm saved, even though I, I have Christ inside of me, I'm still a human, I still have a sin nature, and I want to please him with my life anyway and go against the stream. And that, that should be our desire. And it's a constant effort as a Christian to continue to grow in the Lord. And so I ask you, have we, step, have we done these two things? First, have we been saved? And are we, self, are we soul conscious? And secondly, are we sanctifying? Are we continuing to grow in the Lord? Or have we stagnated in our Christian life? Are we continually living like we always have lived? Are, are, is our speech the same way it's always been? Is our, our friends the same people they always are? are we, do we behave the same way at work as we always did? Are we handling our finances the same way we always have? These are the things that God says, no, you're going to be a different person. You're going to have a different goal, a new purpose. So that's, that's the second thing. We've, we are to be saved and soul conscious. Next, we are to be sanctified and ready to be used by God. The third thing we have here is that it is God's will for us to be submissive to our biblical authorities. Turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. We're sure to be there. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll read verse 13 down to verse 15. The book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 15, down to verse 15. Sorry, 13 down to verse 15. Let's read it together. Ready? Begin. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are set by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence 
the ignorance of foolish men. This is the next thing is we, and we, we heard an awesome message here. Raise your hand if you were here on Sunday night. You were here on Sunday night? Most of you, very good. We heard an awesome message on who our ultimate authority is. Who we are most directly responsible to, and that is to God. And, and how he, he has ultimate control over our lives. But God has placed in our lives different realms of authority where they have power over certain parts of our lives. And they have, they, we as Christians have a duty, have an obligation, and have what the Bible says is the will of God is to obey those people, those authorities God has put in our lives when they are acting in line with the word of God, when they are not contradicting the word of God. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 18, it says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That's God's desire for us is to be productive, to be, to be productive citizens, to be submissive uh, workers, to all these, to, uh, to submit to the godly authorities that he is, the God-ordained authorities that he has put in our life. That is, that is what we are to do as Christians. That is his will. And these, these realms of authority, maybe it, should, it would be a parent, child, husband, wife, boss, worker, pastor, church member. There's so many different realms of authority that we all have in our lives. And if we are constantly bucking our authorities and we're constantly going against them and, and rebelling against them, we cannot be in the will of God. It's, if the, these things, and there, there is a time for, for biblical rebellion, and we, we, we see that in the Bible with the disciples going against when they tell them not to preach or not to do these things. There is a time for that, but it should also be coupled with biblical submission, that God says, it is my will for you to obey the God-ordained authorities in your life. And for some of us, this is a very easy thing to do. But for others of us who are a little more stubborn in nature, that's, that's very difficult. That's something we constantly need to be working on. Hey, can I obey this authority? Are they in line with the scriptures? Are they doing something that, that the Bible doesn't, doesn't tell me I can't do? Or things like that. We should be submissive in those areas, in, under those God-ordained authorities. Fourth thing we see here is what is the will of God? Is The will of God is for us to be satisfied with and grateful for everything that God has given us. To be satisfied with and grateful for everything that God has given to us. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians verse 5, or chapter 5 and verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. This is another very popular verse. It should be right closer to the top of your page there, saying this is the will of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. Let's all read it together. Ready? Begin. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is God's will for us as Christians to be satisfied with and grateful for everything that he has given to us. And that's everything. That's not just the good things, but it's also the bad things. When bad things happen in our lives, we are to be thankful for our situation, thankful that God Thankful for the things that God has given us through those things. It's hard to be thankful whenever through after a flat tire. It's hard to be thankful after we lose a loved one. It's hard to be thankful whenever we, we, lose, we lose a job or have financial problems. But the Bible says we can be thankful and we can be content through those things. It's easy to be thankful whenever we welcome a new child into the family, we get a raise, when all those other things, but that, that's easy. 
And we are to be thankful for that. But the Bible says we as Christians are to be thankful in, for everything that God has given us and everything that God is bringing us through. You know, we, we can be thankful that God gave us a raise to broaden our impact on world missions. And we can be thankful that God has taught us through a loss of a loved one to grow closer to him and to have a peace that, that passes understanding. These are things that Paul experiences personally. The Bible says in Philippians 4.11, he says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And that word state, it's not talking about the U.S. state. I know some of you think you'd be more content in Hawaii or more content in Florida, but he's talking about your situation. He wrote that verse, that book, from a prison. And he's saying, I have learned that God has given me everything that I need to be happy. Everything that I need to be content. And that is, that, is a, that is a direct command. That This is the will of God for us as Christians. To be content and to be thankful in everything, in every situation. Which, again, is one of those things that just goes against our nature. It's not easy. It's not easy to find something to be thankful for in everything. But it's still, it's God's will for our lives. And these are just a few verses that we've turned to that, that specifically and explicitly say this is the will of God. And there's so much more. If you were to study the scriptures, if you were to study the life of Christ, if you were to study the epistles, the law, you, you can know more about the mind of God, the heart of God, and his desire for his people. And those, those would all be his will for us. These are just a few of those things. But if God's will is the same for everyone, then what about God's plan? What is God's plan for me? Everybody, and that's what we're going to look at here, is that everybody has a different plan for their life. God's plan is different for everybody. You and I have different skill sets. We have different personalities. We have different struggles. We have different upbringings. Every single person in this room is unique. And God has a specific plan for you to do, for specific things for you to accomplish. And that's that second point, is God has created and appointed us for a specific purpose. Turn, to, turn your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah in chapter 1. Book of Jeremiah in chapter 1. That's where we'll read next. God has created every single person in this room for a specific purpose. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, if you're there, read it with me. If you're, if you're not there, go ahead and follow along on the screen. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1 verse 5, ready, begin. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Here we see that God's will is a one size fits all. It's the same for every Christian. Every Christian should be saved. Every Christian should be soul conscious. Every Christian should be sanctified. Every Christian should, uh, uh, I can't remember the fourth one. It's off the top of my head. Every Christian should do these things. But there's a specific plan that God has for every Christian as well. And that's going to be different for every person. We see here that God formed him in the belly. He created him before he was even born. He had a plan for him. And that's the same for you and me because we are all unique. We are all different. Next thing about God's plan is that God's plan involves all the major events in our lives. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms again. In Psalm in chapter 139. Psalm chapter or Psalm 139. We're talking about how every single person is unique and has a unique plan for their lives. God has, has a plan for your life and also that this plan involves everything about you and every experience that you've had and things that are completely 
out of your control, God has placed in your life for a reason. Let's look at Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. Let's read it together. Ready? Begin. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. He says here, no one chooses their parents. You don't choose where you're born. But God had a role in where and how he was created. That word covered in my, what does he say? He says, covered me in my mother's womb. It, it draws the picture of being knit together. He's saying, I specifically formed you before you ever thought of in order for a specific purpose. And the things that you'll go through, the things that are completely out of your control that will happen to you and that you'll experience in your life, God wants to use those things. And there's many, there's many sicknesses, sufferings, and, and consequences of our sin that we'll experience in our lives that are specifically because of our own sinful decisions. But there's also common suffering that we will all go through. And it's God's desire for us to use those things for his will. And uh, this, is, this, is what, uh, this, is what, um, this is what the psalmist is saying here. Saying before we were ever thought of, God had a plan for us. He has a specific and unique plan for your life and for my life. And this all begs the question, you know, if, if God has a specific plan for me, how do I know what that plan is? And how can I do that plan? I want, I, God wants what's best for me, right? How do I do that thing that God wants me to do? And this is, this is what the fourth point is, that God's plan is revealed when we obey his will. God's plan is revealed when we obey his will. So his, his plan for you, the specific steps that you will take in this life, the things that God has for you and the things he wants to use your life to accomplish, they're only accomplished when you are inside of his general will, the will that he, he wants every Christian to do, the thing he wants every Christian. Let's turn our Bibles to Psalm chapter 37, or Psalm 37. Psalm 37, 4 is what we'll read. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. God has a plan for you, and he has something for you that he will, he will allow you to have. He will allow you to have that, that ultimate joy, peace, fulfillment whenever we are walking with him. Whenever we are inside of his will, that specific plan that God has for your life and for my life is, a, is revealed to us when we do the things he has already told us to do. You know, under, understanding this truth was a little difficult for me. Growing uh, several years ago when I was in college, I was going through a little bit of a tough time. I was, I was taking uh, college classes during the day. I was working a full-time job at night, and I wasn't dating my wife at the time. And I was just generally discouraged. And uh, I, I remember hours and hours of talking to my dad and being like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm in, I'm in Bible college. I'm training for the ministry, ministry but, you know, I don't really know what I, what I can do. I was, I was extremely shy. I was more afraid of preaching than I was of death. I was very, I didn't have any specific, specific skills that I, I thought would be perfect for a specific ministry. I was kind of just lost. And I had friends who were, hey, I'm going to be a missionary to this country. And, oh, I'm going to work at this church. And I'm going to marry this girl. And they seemed, it seemed like God's plan for their life was just like rolling out in front of them while I was kind of lost. And I was afraid that God was going to leave me hanging, that he forgot about me, that that I would run out of runway in my senior year, and then I'd be stuck. And I remember having the, these conversations with my dad and saying, "Man, what am I going to do? 
How do I know what I should do next, what I should prepare for? And he would always say the same thing. He would say, be what God wants you to be, and you'll do what God wants you to do. And he says, be in the will of God, and he will reveal for you the plan of God. And that, that, that advice at the time, it, it wasn't satisfactory. I was, I was no, that, that doesn't help me. I want to I I know what I'm going to do. I want to know where I'm going to serve. I want to know what God wants me to do now. He said, do the revealed will of God, and he will lead you in his hidden plan for your life. And that, that, that I wasn't perfect, and that wasn't, a, I'm, I'm not, I haven't arrived. But in my short life, I have experienced this principle in action. And I'm, I'm so blessed, and I'm so thankful for everything that God has brought me through that I could have never seen at that moment. But God had used, used me, and he, he brought me in his plan because I was doing the will of God. And my story may be anecdotal evidence to you, and you can say that, that happens to you, but yeah, that, that would have happened anyway. But I challenge you to try it yourself. Do the will of God and let him reveal the plan of God. Do what God has asked you to do now and let him lead you where you should be later. That's, 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 the, uh, that's what we're looking at here in Psalm 37. He says, delight yourself in me and let me direct your steps. Uh, later on in that chapter, Psalm 37, 23, the Bible says this. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So he paints a picture of God is literally directing the steps of the person who delights in him. He's saying, this is where you should go. This is what you should do. And it's, 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 as you take a step back, it, it, you realize how much faith that takes. But God, God leads us in that way. He's going to lead us from activity to activity. When we are in the will of God, he'll show us, the will, he'll show us his plan. He doesn't lead us from inactivity to activity. And there's, you can say, well, why doesn't God just show us all, everything I need to do right now? Why doesn't he tell me where I'm going to work, who I'm going to marry, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do right now? And there's, there's probably several reasons why God doesn't do that. Maybe it's because we're not spiritually mature enough yet. Maybe it's because if we see his will all at once, it may seem overwhelming that, no, we couldn't do that, or we wouldn't be able to do that, or I don't think I could, I don't think I could go through that. And maybe because he wants us to trust him day by day, just like he asked the children of Israel. He fed them with manna daily. He wanted them to trust him. Or it could be that he just wants us to wait on his perfect timing. But whatever the cause is, God only knows. But that is how he decides to direct us. He asks us to do his revealed will. And then he leads us in his specific plan, in his unique plan for our lives. And, and in conclusion, we have here that God's plan can be difficult at times. No, nobody is immune to common suffering. Everybody in this life will go through suffering. As I said before, there are certain people who go through more suffering, and perhaps it's because of maybe sin in their life or the consequences of sin or someone else's sin, and that, that happens. But there are every, everybody in this room will go through suffering completely outside of your control. And that's not because God hates you. It's not because you've sinned. It's, it's just what's going to happen. And that's God uses those things to weave your life, and he uses them to show, he uses them for his good and for his glory. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we see that even though God's plan can be difficult, we see that he allows suffering to, perf to perfect us. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 says this, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. He says, even Christ is going to go through, even Christ suffered. He said, that's, that's, no one is immune to that. We, are to, we will suffer, and it's so that we can be more like 
Christ. Things we'll go through in this life are tools that God has used to make us more like him. He allows suffering to perfect us in the next. He allows suffering to, he, allows, he uses difficult times to teach us. And turn your Bibles one more time to the book of James, the first, first chapter of James. It's talking about how we, how the Lord uses difficult times to teach us. And in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, let's all read it together. It's on the screen behind me if you don't have it yet. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, the Bible says this. Ready? Begin. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God uses specific problems in our lives in difficult times to perfect us and also to teach us, to make us more like him, but also to add to our tool bag something that will be helpful for us, that will bring God glory and bring others good. Those are the ways he uses difficulty and suffering in our lives. And no, no one is immune to that, not even Christians. The Bible says that we, that, that we are given life and life more abundantly, meaning our, our highs will be higher and our lows may be lower. But that is all part of God's plan, and he wants to use those difficult times for a reason. And next we see that obedience to God's will is rewarding. Obedience to God's will is rewarding. We know God loves us. We know he wants us to, to be joyful, to have peace, to have contentment and fulfillment. These are all things that we get when we are, our steps are being guided by the Lord. Obedience to God's will is rewarding. Let's look at 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. The Bible says this. For bodily exercise, profit is little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And then again in 1 Peter 1, 7, the Bible says this. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor of the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. While when we are in the will of God, not only do we, do we escape many of the, the problems and the suffering that come along with our sinful consequences, but we also have joy, we also have these, the, the consequences of being in God's will, the joy, the peace, the contentment, but we also have eternal blessings that the Lord promises to us, to those who are in his will and doing his plan. Another, another huge benefit of being in the will of God and doing the plan of God is that it takes so much pressure off our own shoulders it, it take it takes the pressure off you who remembers being a, a child on vacation or on a, or go, being a kid and going on a field trip anybody you know that 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 feeling like hey you don't have to book a plane ticket you don't have to pay for lunch you don't have to drive the bus all you got to do is listen and obey and you're going to have a great time that's 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 in a, in a way and you as a kid you know you you obeyed the adults because you trusted them and if you could trust a human adult we as Christians should be able to trust our Heavenly Father that he'll do what's right by us and he'll lead us in the way that we should go and he'll, he'll bring us to the places that we need to be and he'll, he'll, he'll put tools in our tool bag that'll be good for others and bring glory to him even though it doesn't seem the best for us at the moment but he will lead us to where he wants us to go if we will trust him. We are responsible for the being and let God be responsible to direct our doing. That's, that's the understanding of the will of God in the plan of God. The will of God is for us to be saved, for us to be sanctified, for us to be soul conscious in these things and let God tell us what we should do. Be in the will of God and he will direct our doing in his plan. 
So as we close tonight, do we, have, do we have a desire to be in the will of God? Or have we said, God, I trust you for my salvation. I'm so thankful you saved me. I know you love me. But I don't, I don't think you know how to make me happy. I think, I think I know how to be happy. I think I know what's going to make me happy. I think I know what I want to do, and I think I'm going to stick with that. Is that our attitude? Do we somehow feel that if we, if we do the will of God that we'll end up with the short end of the stick? That, that can be, that, that's our human nature. That's our sinful selfishness saying, I don't trust an omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient God with my life. Instead, I want to do what I want to do. And my, my experience says, this is what makes me happy, so I'm going to chase that. Is, that. is that how we're living our life? Or are we saying, no, I want to be surrendered. I want to be, I want to be in the will of God doing what may seem counter, counterproductive in, in my own life, going against my flesh but uh, being in fellowship with the Spirit. Next, are we, are we, are we thankful in everything that we're doing? You know, even, even the difficult times, even the things that don't seem to be good for us, are we being thankful for what God is bringing us through with the things that God has given us? And then lastly, are we trusting him to reveal his plan to us? Or are you like me and are you impatient? You say, I want to know now. God, tell me where I should go now. I want some assurances I want to be promised that I'll have this and I'll have that and I'll have that before I follow you, before I do your will. Is that our attitude? Because if it is, it's not, it's not what the will of God is for our life. And I challenge us to think about these things and say, hey, do I want to be in the will of God and am I actively pursuing the will of God?